to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but do it in bite-sized segments of time. And if you tuned in last week and didn't find a new episode, I was on vacation. Um, I went to Mexico City and got to spend time with loved ones and do a hot air balloon ride over the pyramids, go explore, eat lots of good food. And so sorry if you were looking for a new episode, um, but I am back and today we're going to cover cartilage healing. And so the importance of understanding cartilage healing is, for one, if it's something, if it's a tissue that we treat in physical therapy, we should probably know how to treat it right, correct? And if you just think about how many patients have come into the clinic saying, oh, my my knees are bone on bone, there's nothing left. And so it's important for us to know, like, what is the function of the cartilage? What is the healing potential? And then also, what are some options for treatment, especially surgical, assuming that they've failed physical therapy? And so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the cartilage itself, what's it made up of? How does it heal or how well does it heal? And then what are some surgical options? So when we're talking about cartilage, what I'm talking about is articular cartilage. And basically this just functions as a smooth surface for articulation of diarthrodial joints, which if you need a refresher on what diarthrodial joints are, that's basically a joint where two adjoining bone ends are covered with thin cartilaginous sheet and then joined by a joint capsule. And that is lined by synovial membrane with synovial fluid on top of that. So the thing about articular cartilage is there's no blood vessels, there's no lymphatics, there's no nerves. It's a harsh biomechanical environment. And the reason why is it helps to facilitate transmission of loads with less friction, especially cyclic loads. So cartilage is viscoelastic and basically it just allows fluid pressure to allow a pretty significant component of total load support. So it's going to stiffen with increased strain, which is kind of important when we're trying to transmit load, right? And so the hyaline cartilage itself is is like two to four millimeters thick, and it's made up of a dense extracellular matrix that has water, collagen, proteoglycans to help retain water, and chondriocytes, which are basically cartilage specialized cells and these can look in different in the different zones of cartilage, but they also have limited potential for replication. They could look different in different zones, but they help with the development and maintenance and repair of the extracellular matrix. However, they have limited potential for replication. The other components of cartilage are water. It's like the most abundant component, 80%. Um, and that's going to play a factor later. Now, I mentioned zones before. You can break them down into superficial, middle, and deep. And basically, the superficial is just going to help to resist shear, tensile, and compressive forces by articulation. And the collagen is packed tightly in parallel. There's flattened chondrocytes, and it's in contact with synovial fluid. So the middle is the first line of resistance for compressive forces. And it's going to have a larger portion of the total cartilage volume. Um, it's got proteoglycans and thicker collagen fibrils. And the collagen is oblique, as well as the chondrocytes are spherical and low density. The deeper zone is going to have the greatest resistance to compressive forces, the highest proteoglycan content with the lowest water concentration. 
There's something called a tide mark that helps to separate the deep zone from the calcified cartilage and then the calcified portion. Now, we've talked about the function and what it's made up of, but something that is important to educate your patients, if you've heard nothing that I've said so far, is to tell them on how joint motion and load are important to maintain normal articular cartilage structure and function. Inactivity is actually shown to lead to degradation of cartilage. Um, it's, and it can be linked to dramatic changes in cartilage metabolism that's linked to development of disease like osteoarthritis. So a lot of people are worried about busting up their knees with things like running and stuff like that, but there are some serious downsides in activity, notwithstanding just cartilage. Now, Damage to cartilage can happen a lot of different ways. Some of the most popular ones are just with osteoarthritis, um, which is considered a disease of the whole joint. It's just, it's the most widespread damaged cartilage process that we can talk about. And, you know, you can always have injuries with traumatic things to consider about what else is in the area, or even children with chronic inflammatory disease can have issues with this as well that can even lead to disturbed growth. So, as we age, you're going to have chondrocytes dissipate to in the superficial region, but they'll have a increased number in the deeper region. However, there's less hydration of the matrix. And as I mentioned before, cartilage is viscoelastic. So we rely on water to increase the compressive stiffness. So if you have less water, it means less stiffness. And it is unable to dissipate forces as well. So that means the subchondral bone sees an increase in forces as the cartilage is unable to deform to basically compensate for this. So less water means less ability to basically dissipate forces. Now, when injuries happen, I already mentioned it can happen with degeneration. It can be chronic inflammation. It can be traumatic. But... Um, Articulate cartilage has a very limited intrinsic repair capacity, and a lot of that is because there's such limited blood flow. And if you need a review of overall healing process, go back to episode three. But if you've learned anything so far, you should understand just how big of a role blood flow plays in healing. There's still going to be, you know, the, the classic inflammation where neutrophils are attracted to the side and macrophages come after to help remove debris. Um, but repair depends on if it's a chondral defect or a full thickness defect. So chondral defects are going to be more confined to the superficial cartilage, which I mentioned in the layers, that don't have subchondral damage. And it doesn't really lead to a genuine repair response like soft tissue because it's not innervated and it's avascular. This can actually result in distorted joint mechanics and an altered distribution of cartilage loading and stresses, which because of this can lead to degenerative changes in the long term. Now, full thickness is a little bit different. It's basically a cartilage lesion combined with subchondral bone. So this actually causes a blood cloud, which helps to create repair, which causes a repair process. And because of that, this defect can actually be filled by fiber cartilage. But something to consider is that fiber cartilage is inferior to hyaline cartilage. So then the next question is, what do we do about this? Well, in this section, we're going to assume that they failed physical therapy 
or maybe they're just not appropriate for physical therapy in the first place. But we're going to talk more about surgical techniques. So for in-stage cartilage damage, the the typical go-to is going to be like a total joint replacement. But there's several options for early intervention. So a lot of the techniques kind of boil down to if it's something that involves cells, signals, or scaffolds. So cells are going to be more of, hey, we're going to pack in the defect with cells. Signals are we're going to utilize the body's chemical processes to send basically some good stuff to the area to help heal. Scaffolds are basically going to create a matrix of which like things can grow in to fill that space too. And some of the techniques actually overlap. So for example, one technique is a microfracture and it basically... The idea is to enhance migration of mesenchymal stem cells from the bone marrows to the site of cartilage damage. So what they do is they basically just poke a bunch of holes in the surface. And the thing is, that often forms fibrocartilage that's, as I mentioned, kind of inferior to hyaline articular cartilage. So some case studies have actually shown that repair damage is vulnerable to mechanical joint forces and can deteriorate after like 18 to 24 months after surgery. But again, more research is needed. So indications for this surgery, they all depend on the patient age, their BMI, the lesion size, the lesion depth, and also like where is the lesion in the first place. But in terms of return to sport, we're looking at somewhere around eight months or so. There's another technique called the autologous chondrocyte implantation or ACI. And it's basically where they take a full thickness sample from a low weight bearing region of the body and then utilizing a biopsy punch. And they take a sample of chondrocyte population and expand it in vitro. So that's it's a two-part surgery. That's part one. These chondrocytes are then implanted into debrided cartilage defect and covered by a membrane. That's surgery number two. Now, long-term case studies have been pretty pro, but some randomized controlled trials are kind of controversial on whether it works. And this basically just might depend on the lesion size that they did the research on. All in all, more research is needed, which is not the first time you've probably heard that before. Um, But the downsides are this needs two operations, and it has a long recovery time. It could be like six to 12 months. And there's also concerns of hypertrophy of the flag that's used to seal in the implanted cells. Now, some other techniques, there's scaffold-based techniques. And basically, this allows for increased control over the filling that they use. There's less donor site complications. It's less technically challenging as a procedure. And there's often a shorter post-op recovery time by basically adding better graft stability. So one that's more popular is a matrix-induced autologous chondrocyte implantation, or MACI for short. It still needs two procedures. The first is basically to collect autologous tissue where the chondrocytes are isolated, and then, again, they're expanded in vitro, and then they're seeded for three days on an absorbable porcine-derived mixed collagen mixture. That's type 1 and 3. And then this is on a scaffold that's implanted with the cell side facing down on the subchondral bone, and then it takes to the bone. This has a longer rehab than maybe like a microfracture for a return to sport, but again, some of the advantages are what I already mentioned before. There's also 
hyaluronan based scaffolds um, and all kinds of like cellular regeneration techniques that are being studied currently. Now, things that we would track are just, they depend on the protocol that you would get from your surgeon. You're still going to be looking at kind of the obvious stuff, but some outcome measures that you can use, some examples are the American Orthopedic Foot and Ankle Society or AOFAS, the Cincinnati Knee Rating Scale, the Foot and Ankle Osteoarthritis Scale or the AOS, the International Knee Documentation Committee or IKDC, the Knee Injury and Osteoarthritic Outcome Score or the KOOS, and the Western Ontario and McMaster University's Osteoarthritic Index or the WOMAC. So there we have it. What you should have gotten from this episode is, you know, what is articular cartilage? How does it work? And then what do we do when they're not appropriate for physical therapy and they're potentially going into different surgical techniques. So hope this makes sense. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at ptsnacks. And I would be happy to answer questions or if you want me to cover a certain topic. And if you haven't, go ahead and hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on any new episodes. If you want to support financially, there's a link below for buy me a coffee. But that's it for today, guys. And until next time. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. They deliver over 1,580 evidence-based physical therapy C courses, including more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them and wherever you are. And MedBridge is more than just CEUs. They're leading the space. So from interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. So for a limited time, use the promo code PTSnackspodcast, again, you can see this below, in order to receive $175 off your annual subscription. 